0: Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we're gonna be in Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27 today. We are, can you believe it, almost done with the book of Acts. Man, it's been a journey uh, all the way through, we uh, we of course started the series, uh, th- or really three series, but started the book uh, day one on launch Sunday. We came together and we saw the mission statement that was given to the church uh, right there on day one. And I hope that will uh, next week. Next week when we finish out the series, uh, it'll be the thirty eighth message next week in the book of Acts. And, uh, and we'll finish it out next week. I'm, I'm excited. I already know what next week's sermon title is. And like, I'm, I, everything within me as I prepared today's sermon was like, don't give away what you're preaching next week, type thing, uh, Because next week, it's just so cool to see how Luke ends the book. Uh, and really, it's, it's the story that Luke was trying to tell us the whole time. Uh, And we're going to see that a little bit next week. And so uh, it's just, it's awesome. The book of Acts, have have you been encouraged by it as much as I have been just studying through and especially looking at the life of Paul uh, and seeing what he has done. Well, we're going to read just the first few verses of our passage today. We'll catch up a little bit uh, from last week in the intro and move along for the message today. But Acts chapter number 27, starting in verse number 27. We're going to read verses 27 through 29, and then we'll cover actually all the way through about half of the next chapter uh, as we go through the message. But Acts 27 and verse 27, the Bible says this, But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, or the, the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. <laughs> they're just like, Lord, bring some sunlight, <laughs> is what they're thinking. Uh, they, and so we're going to see really uh, what takes place Uh, in today's story and in the life of Paul. And I hope that we'll see really all throughout it, we've seen this a lot in the life of Paul, but we just see God's providence consistently uh, in the life of Paul. And I hope that we'll also see throughout the entire story just pictures of faithfulness. And that's really what I want us to look at today. But before we do, let's take one more moment with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Just ask the Lord to speak to us as we dive into his word. And then of course, whatever he speaks to us about, that we'd determine that we'll apply it, that we'll respond to him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given to us now to look into your word. Thank you for the wonderful time of singing and worshiping your holy name. And God, thank you for all that you do and are doing in and through us. And God, we pray that today, uh, as I preach, Lord, that it wouldn't uh, be my words, uh, that it would just be your words and your heart flowing from me this morning. Lord, give us what we need and give us something that we would be able to apply and uh, Lord, just live out this very week, uh, remembering who you are and what you've done for us. God, we thank you for uh, the message and the passage that we're going to be looking at. We pray that you would just be lifted up in it and uh, that you would uh, be honored and glorified with all that's said and done in this time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you recall last week, when we uh, when we started going through, we saw, we we ended while they're still in the middle of a storm, and uh, we we of course they took off finally from Caesarea. Paul had been in Caesarea for two whole years, uh, just kind of in. Uh, What's the, not purgatory, just kind of in limbo, right? Just kind of in limbo in his life, uh, in between transitions. He's already appealed to Caesar, but there's a process in which to finally send someone off, and he eventually ends up getting sent. But we're going to find that it takes him a long time to get to Rome. We saw that last week they took off, they went undercover of a couple of the Uh, the islands that were there of Cyprus and even once they came down to Crete because of some of the winds Paul specifically said because of the winds hey I don't think we should go out in this uh, in this we should just uh, stay for the winter right here in that place called Fairhavens but the Centurion listened rather to the shipmen to the sailors and said no we need to get to Phoenice." but they didn't quite make it to Phoenix because then the winds started to take them uh, all the way out way out into the middle of the uh, of the sea and we're going to find today uh, that last week we left him in the middle of the storm okay and really what we focused on last week was we saw uh, Paul had faith in the middle of an unexpected storm. Right uh, right in the middle of it, his confidence lied completely in the fact that Jesus was with him and that God had given him a promise. And he was claiming that promise and saying, no, 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 this isn't Rome. God said I'm going to be at Rome. And so I'm just going to claim God's promise and say, uh, he's, he's promised me something and I know he's going to fulfill it. And so he tells... Every single person on that ship, if you remember, he said, be of good cheer. I know this doesn't look great. I know you kind of lost hope, but be of good cheer because I believe God. However verse 26, he did tell them, but we're going to end up on some island somewhere. <laughs> God had given him some kind of uh, direction or word from him to know that they're, they're not necessarily going to just end up at Rome perfectly. They're going to end up on some island first. And so then in verse 27, we start to see that it's been 14 nights. It's been two weeks that they've been traveling. And as they start to travel. I want us to notice, first of all, as we go through and see faithfulness, I want us to notice from really the beginning of this to the uh, part of the first uh, few verses of the next chapter, I want to see Paul's faithfulness, okay? I want to see Paul's faithfulness in this way. It's the 14th night of a storm. All hope seemed to have been lost by everyone else who was on the ship, okay? But Paul says, I believe God... And we're in this area now where I know we're going to end up on some island. Well, it tells us that the, the sailors, they start to actually find out in the way that they measured that they actually were coming up on some land. It tells us in verse 28 that they measured, uh, they sounded, that would have been, they take down a big rope of some kind with some lead or some kind of uh, anchor maybe at the bottom of it that would go all the way down and then it would be marked at every fathom, which for us would be about six feet. And so they measured it, and at first it was about uh, 20 fathoms, and so that's about 125 feet uh, that they were. And then they, uh, in the midst of the storm, getting tossed a little bit more, they threw it down again at another part and found out it was 15 fathoms. So they know they're getting closer and closer to land, but they don't quite know how close yet until uh, a few verses later. But they're scared uh, at how what seems to be how fast they're coming into the land, okay? They throw down the uh, sound. They find the, that it's 20 fathoms. They throw it down again, it's 15 fathoms. Man, we're coming in quick. Let's throw some anchors down and just hope for the best until sunlight comes. So they throw four anchors down to stay as best they can in place right there in the middle of this storm. Uh, in- interesting fact has nothing to do with the message, but I was, as I was studying, they found four anchors Over in this area near the island of Malta, which we're going to see they end up at, about 90 feet under the water, in between two bodies of water. We're going to see that that's also important in just a second. And right near some inlets. And they're just sitting in a museum somewhere in Malta with an inscription that says, Some Roman anchors. Is pretty much all it says. Uh, and, you know, we can't be dogmatic about was it these four anchors, but it's just, it's just an interesting fact that people walk by every day, four anchors that could be the very anchors that Paul's, uh, this crew that Paul was on dropped in this area. It's close to what they call St. Paul's Bay because of what we're about to see take place. Uh, but just cool interesting fact, okay, sometimes I got to share stuff in my, that I find in my study that maybe you wouldn't find elsewhere uh, unless you're really deep study. So that was just cool, side note, okay? Back to verse 30, back to verse 30, okay? They drop these anchors down and it says, as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. I don't know if you caught that, but there's some of the shipmen who are trying to escape. And what they say is, oh, hey, we're going to drop an anchor over there. That wouldn't have been uncommon. They would have gotten on a little dinghy boat or a lifeboat of some kind and gone out and dropped an anchor a little bit further just to get some steadiness. But they, Paul, most likely under the direction of the Holy Spirit, understood that they were being deceptive in the fact that they were saying they were going, but they were actually going to escape on the boat. And Paul says, no, 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 to the centurion, if they get off the boat if they're not on this boat, then none of us are going to live. It, it, just another side note, okay? There's, there might be a few of these today, okay? Uh, just another side note. You know, when God tells us something, we need to take him at his word. I think uh, Paul, what Paul was really saying here is, no, 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 God said all of us were going to be saved. Every single one of us, all 276 of us are going to be saved. If they get off the boat, there's no longer 276 of us here. We're not going to be saved, I believe God. So let's stick with what God has told, told us and, and not let them get off the boat. Well, that centurion apparently listens because it says they cut the ropes. They let the, the lifeboat go and uh, made it to where the people couldn't escape. But then it says, uh, so they cut off the ropes of the boat, let her fall off, verse 32. Verse 33, and while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This is the 14th day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. They hadn't eaten in two weeks. Uh, It could have been that some of them were uh, fasting to a pagan god, trying to get some kind of salvation from the storm. Some of them could have been, I mean, they've been in a a storm for two weeks. They could have just forgotten to eat. Uh, But whatever the case was, that for some reason they hadn't eaten in two weeks, Paul says to them, says, hey, you guys need to eat because this is how we're going to be saved. Verse 34, I pray to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. So, it just, I don't know if you had the same, uh, reaction to food as i do but it encourages me (laughs) when i eat and it seems to have the same effect on these men that paul says hey get some food in your stomach and after they eat they're encouraged and they're strengthened because they ate it says they were of good cheer and then it says and we were in all in the ship 203 score and 16 souls so 276 people is what luke tells us is on this boat now i think it's interesting Okay, just another side note. I told you there might be a couple of these. He uses the word souls. I, I looked up the Greek word just to make sure it wasn't like a, a, a just a translation choice uh, from the King James translator saying souls. Uh, it's actually the word suke that we would actually think of the inmost being of the of the soul, the thing that uh, by which you know we get saved, uh, that gets saved. All of that that we we are eternal souls. Okay, so it it's cool to think that Luke didn't see these. Uh, these fellow, I guess, crew members, you could call them for a short time, they, he didn't see them as just random people. He saw them each and every one as an individual soul that God could save. Uh, I was listening to one preacher kind of talk about this portion and said, it seems it seems that Luke, in the span of a year, okay, if you were to look at this this area, in the span of a year being on this ship, you could probably chalk this up to being a colossal failure. I mean, they didn't get the, the wheat from one place to another, right? They, they completely got off course. They were headed to Italy and they end up on a little area we'll see in just a moment called Malta, okay? The the ship is gone. We're gonna see that in a minute. I mean, by human standards in the timeline of one year, this, this journey was a complete failure. But it seems that Luke didn't just have... Uh, this in view the the present uh, circumstances but rather eternity in view in the sense that in the span of eternity uh, he saw this as 276 people a few of them who already know the Lord but of most of which for the first time probably got to hear the gospel (laughs) and for the first time got to see Paul a man of God be blessed by God and see someone declare faith in God all of those things It seems that Luke has a perspective more so on eternity of man, earthly, if we're looking at this earthly wise, then this was an utter failure. (laughs) But if we look at this eternity wise, man, so many people got to see the working of God in their lives because of what took place right here on this journey. But we see uh, 276 people eating verse 38 when they had eaten enough they lighten the ship cast out the wheat into the sea so they're still trying to lighten the ship they throw some more cargo off off board and then it says and when it was day they knew not the land but they discover, they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded if it were possible to thrust in the ship and when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. <laughs> Did you catch that? They see land for the first time in a long time out on out on the sea and they're like land just make it there they cut the anchors they start uh letting they put up the sail try to get the wind to blow them right in this little inlet that would take them to the land and it says they were in such a rush remember the winds are still pretty hard right now they're in such a rush that they actually go and it says they they just take the ship into the ground so much so that the front part of the ship was stuck there was nothing was happening but the waves and the wind were still beating on the back part of the ship and it's going crazy, okay? We know that the ship ends up just getting torn to shreds because of verse 44 that says they start to get on broken pieces of the ship and boards of the ship to get to land. But what's interesting is verse uh, 41, it says, no, 42, the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And then the rest of them on boards and broken pieces of the ship, they all get safely to the land. Some of the soldiers, remember with Roman soldiers, if uh, a prisoner were to escape, you and you, then you show up without the prisoner, you would be the one who either got the death penalty or imprisonment for the fact that a prisoner escaped. So some of them, they're like, let's just save our hides and kill them so that they can't uh, escape on the way to land. But the centurion, Paul had found favor in the eye of the centurion, no doubt by the hand of the Lord working in all of this, that the centurion had favor on Paul and said, no, 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 any any prisoners and any soldiers that can swim, jump out, swim to shore. And if you can't, good luck, but jump on uh, a board or something and try to make it to shore. And of course, just as God had promised, all 276 show up on the shore says, when they were escaped, verse 1 of 20, chapter 28, then they knew that the island was called Malita, or what we would call modern-day Malta. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, okay, we'll see what happens in just a moment when we get to my next point. This is what I want us to see, Okay. When I talk about Paul's faithfulness, as we unpack all of that that just took place and we look at uh, what Paul did in the midst of it, man, we just see Paul serving, right? Paul, he, uh, he's going through, despite, despite the circumstances, we see Paul remaining faithful to just serve people. Uh, Paul, in the middle of a storm, okay, tells people, hey, you need to be encouraged, encourage yourself right now get some food okay he's he's ministering to all of these people who are on the boat no no no. believe god don't get off the boat believe god and he's just consistently serving and ministering while in the middle of the storm but then as he goes uh they get safe and now they're on dry land of course it's raining but they're trying to find dry wood right and who do we see that luke writes down is serving still paul don't you think that if you had just gotten off of a huge amount of storm-ridden uh, storm-ridden journey, and then you get to a shipwreck, and then you have to swim all the way to shore, you'd be tired. I mean, you'd be hungry, you'd be cold. You you just would want to probably sit by the fire. And yet we see Paul, despite the fact that uh, most likely everyone else is just kind of sitting there enjoying the great kindness that it says the uh, the the barbarians, the barbarous people, it doesn't, a lot of times when we think about that, we think of like, you know, people going out and just savages, right? When we hear those words, barbarian is just a word that they would have used back then that wasn't Greek culture, someone who wasn't in Greek culture uh, or didn't really speak Greek Many times they would call barbarians. Think of Paul in Romans when he writes Romans chapter one uh, and he's talking about I'm debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, okay? That's a distinction that he's making. Those who know my culture and know my language and those who don't, I'm indebted to them with the gospel. It's just a common thing that they would have said about people who weren't Greek speaking or uh, engulfed in Greek culture. And so these natives of the land, okay, they are very, very, kind to them and yet paul instead of just soaking in the kindness after the storm and after the shipwreck we see him serving despite his circumstances i think what this shows us is that our our serving in our christian life should not be affected by our circumstances you know too often when we go through a storm like what we talked about last week priorities are revealed right? Storms come and we really find what's important in a person's life based upon what they prioritize in the middle of hardships and trials sometimes. But uh, too often when we go through a storm, our priority is either to completely, uh, to completely focus on ourselves and forget the, what God has promised us in those times and try to uh, work out everything ourselves and, and uh, put trust and faith in our own abilities to do things through the storm and a lot of times we'll either have that focus or we'll have the complete opposite where the storms are the times where we like get really close to the lord oh man, the storms, the hardships, I, I can't do this. I need you, God. And we'll get back into our Bible reading. We'll be, get back into uh, church attendance or we'll get back into uh, pr- prayer time with the Lord or, or man, I, I need to really be giving right now because I'm in a hard time and I wanna see God bless. And so uh, a lot of times we, we do those things in the middle of storms. And then when we get out of the storm, if that's our response, we get out of the storm and we're like, oh man, I can do this. Right? Life is easy right now. There aren't any trials. I can can do this. And we start to get a false sense again of ourselves, which then when another storm comes, just like we talked about last week, vulnerabilities start to be revealed, priorities start to be revealed, but yet with Paul, it didn't matter either circumstance what he was in. Whether he's in the middle of a storm, whether he was literally falling off of a boat because of shipwreck, or whether he was right there, Uh, 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 around a fire with everyone else, we just see Paul consistently putting other people first and consistently serving people. Despite his circumstances, we see Paul remaining faithful to do what he knows he's called to do. He's faithful despite the circumstances. But then I also notice this, he's faithful despite the attacks. I love this, okay? In verse three, when it says he's picking up sticks, he goes to lay them on a fire and it says, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened onto his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance or justice suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. (laughs) Paul, he's attacked by a snake. Okay, this viper, a very poisonous uh, snake. Okay, The, the... people who lived on the island, they knew these snakes. They knew. He was a dead man, okay? That it says that when he was bit and they saw that it was fastened onto his hand, it wasn't just like a little bite. It was stuck, okay? They see it and they're like, oh man, this guy must have been a murderer. And he's, he, might have, uh, he might have survived the, the sea, but justice is coming to him and so he got bit by a snake once he made it to the land. Must be a murderer. And then Paul, he just like shakes off the viper and I, I almost imagine it, they're like waiting for the swelling. <laughs> like, all right, yep, here it comes. Okay, watch. First it starts in the fingers, then it goes to the arm, then you're going to see it in his face, and then he's, gonna, he's a dead man, okay? But it tells us that he didn't swell, and when they looked, uh, when he should have swollen, verse 6, or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they looked a great while, Okay, they're watching this guy. Like, when's it gonna happen? We've seen this happen multiple times. Why is it not happening to him? And saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a god. (laughs) How quick, uh, it, it just goes to show a lot of times our human hearts, that's how we view circumstances, right? Oh, man, something bad happened to him. They must have done something bad, all right? And then, uh, oh, man, something good happened to him. Well, they must have got right with the Lord, okay, right? Just like uh, these people, they're like, oh, man, he was a murderer. Uh, he, he must have done something wrong, and justice is getting him back, so he's going to die. Wait a second, his hand's not getting big. Wait a second, he's still not dead. Oh, he's a God, <laughs> okay? They, it's like... So uh, pagan in their mind and, and not knowing anything about even what the Lord would do. It, it's a great opportunity for Paul, as we're about to see, to start seeing the hand of the Lord work in this, uh, in this island and with these people. But Paul, uh, he, was, he despite the attacks, we see him uh, stay faithful through it. And I don't want us to lose the symbolism that it was a serpent, a snake that bit him. Uh, you know, what, who is our greatest attacker in our Christian life? That old serpent, Satan, the devil, coming after us, uh, as, as Peter wrote it to, steal and to kill and to destroy. Like a roaring lion, he seeks whom he may devour. That is our enemy who consistently comes up against us and even through the attacks of the enemy, Satan, we need to, just like Paul, just shake it off. We don't just shake it off because Taylor Swift tells us to. We shake it off, okay, because some of you will get that later, okay? We shake it off, okay, because that's, I mean, we see it all throughout Scripture. That's one of the things that Jesus said when he said, shake the dust off your feet. If people come against you, they don't give you hospitality. They speak ill against you. Walk out of that city shaking the dust off your feet. Just shake off the attacks of other people, of the enemy. And we see Paul he gets attacked by this viper. He just shakes it off despite the attacks of, uh, of this snake and def- despite the attacks of even some people. Some of these uh, people, th- some good things were said about him, okay? And some bad things were said about him. But neither of the things that uh, were said about him, whether good or bad, they didn't deter him from just continu- continuing to serve people and to see God work in and, and through his life. We see Paul's faithfulness in all of this as he continues to then uh, start to minister to the people on, Mal- on this Maltese uh, uh, island. Well, then I want us to see not just Paul's faithfulness, okay? And we'll, we'll continue to track Paul's faithfulness in the next few verses, but I really want us to see all throughout this God's faithfulness. Okay, Paul, he was faithful despite his circumstances, and despite the attacks that may have come. But I really want us to look at God's faithfulness through this story. It says that in verse 7, in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. The chief man of the, the kind of ruler, most likely a Roman man, living there on this bay, near the, or near the bay on the island of Malta. He's close by. He probably hears about what Paul, had happened with Paul, something like that, especially in a small community. It doesn't stay uh, hidden for very long. People are probably talking about it and spreading the word, and so this man hears about it, and it says he invites them to lodge with him for a few days. Man, can you imagine, like, I, I know how I am with, some of you husbands might understand when you like say to your wife, hey, I've invited a couple people over on such and such a day. It's like, okay, how many people, right? Oh, two or three, or, you know, when we have our in-home fellowships, I'm like, uh, I think we'll have about 15 people or something like that in the house. Could you imagine Publius coming home and say, hey, honey, I invited some guests over. Oh, yeah, how many? 276. (laughs) You say what now, right? I, I mean, I just can't imagine how that conversation went, but then also Uh, imagine it kind of gives us even more to think of it in that light of how well to do this man was on this small island of Malta right here able to lodge and be a blessing to all of these centurions and the shipmen and even some prisoners uh, on the ship and it tells us that while they were there verse 8 the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux that's dysentery to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. What I want us to see as we, we see God's faithfulness through this is that God is first of all faithful to provide for Paul. As Paul gets to this area, it's been a long journey, okay? Paul's the prisoner. He's not even the leader on this ship, okay? And yet God's favor upon the life of Paul, uh, God is faithful to provide for Paul uh, not only shelter and lodging and protection, right? He didn't die from the uh, venomous snake biting him. Uh, God provides protection. He provides lodging. And then on their way out, it tells us there in verse 10, that God provides even the, the needs that they need for their journey on the, on the next way. <laughs> I mean, I just see God's providential hand all over Paul's life. Okay, you're still serving. I made a promise to you. I'm going to make sure that you're safe. I'm going to make sure that you have a place to, to sleep. And I'm going to make sure that you have the food necessary to make the journey to Rome. We just see God's faithfulness to provide for Paul's needs through, uh, through mon- or material needs. But then also I see in the next few verses, God provides for Paul some encouragement. Uh, you look at verse 11, it says, after three months, so they're on this island for three months, we departed in a, a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from thence we fetched a compass and came to Regium, and after one day the south wind blew, and we came the next day to uh, Puteoli, where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. So we went toward Rome. A lot of little details that we just kind of read over. The, there's another ship, an Alexandrian ship, one most likely very similar to the one that they had just shipwrecked, okay? They found another one somewhere in, on the island, probably near one of the port cities, that was heading up toward Rome. And so they they get on this ship, okay? Uh, the centurion probably come in, commandeers another ship in doing so. They had wintered right there in that area, it says, this ship had. Uh, it, it had a sign on it of Castor and Pollux. Some of the, that sometimes that's called the twin brothers. Uh, it would have been uh, some of the gods, the Greek gods that were uh, known to them. It was like a sign of good luck. Uh, if you had those on your ship then through storms or things like that then you might have luck or the blessings of those false gods to get through the storm so that's what, he's just giving us some details of the kind of people that they're uh, traveling with luke is and it says that they get to a place called syracuse okay i still have this map from last week they so we saw them they get lost all the kind all the way through the sea they end up in malta right here and it says from malta they get on this ship and they head up to Syracuse. And then from Syracuse to Regium. Then it says from there up to Puteoli, okay? And it says that there in Puteoli, they found brethren. And were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. You know what I see here God doing in his, in his uh, providing for Paul? He didn't just provide for his needs uh, and, and materialistically. Uh, we also see God providing his needs spiritually, Man, could you imagine Paul, after going through the trials that he did all in Jerusalem, being beaten of all the Jews, being sent off to the different trials there in Caesarea, and then goes from Caesarea all the way uh, in this huge, crazy, that's for two years, and then this crazy trip all the way to Malta, and then three months in Malta, and then uh, finally he gets to a place that's far, far away from home far, far away from any place that he's ever been to before. Now, who does he find? More Christians. Man, it's so cool to see how the gospel has already spread. Some, mo- most likely some of them who got saved all the way at the day of Pentecost when they all came and then ended up coming back to th- these areas. Most likely from that or uh, when they were scattered in Acts chapter 8. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, and we see the gospel go all the way north and it even says in Acts 8 that it got all the way to Phoenix or Phoenix. Uh, the gospel has just been spreading this entire time and who does God bring along Paul's path but other people to encourage him. It says there that, uh, and from thence when the brethren heard us, they came to meet us as far as Apiphorum and the three taverns whom when Paul saw, when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. Man, Paul, he's about to go before Nero, right? He's about to go into the heart of the empire of that, the biggest empire at that time in their known world was Rome, and he's about to go in there alone, it seems, okay? Uh, Maybe a few friends with him, but go in uh, to a very dire situation of he doesn't know if he's going to go and Nero's going to imprison him, or if he 's going to be uh, beheaded, which one day he eventually will he 'll go through all of that but and, and we'll see we 'll track some of that next week, but uh, he 's going to a very hard place to share the gospel, and what does God do prior to even him going? He provides him some encouragement, some brothers and sisters in Christ who uh, came along Paul and and helped him get on his journey. We see from there the three ends or the three uh, <clears throat> The three taverns as it says and and uh got and paul thanked god for them and was encouraged by them and, and we i just love seeing god's faithfulness not just to provide his materialistic needs but also his spiritual needs to help encourage him in this time but i also want us to catch this that god's faithfulness isn't just proven here in how he provides for paul but i i love that god's faithfulness is shown in the fact that uh god kept his promise God kept his promise you remember what Paul's been saying this whole time (laughs) way back in like acts 18 and 19 Paul said I got to go to Rome but before I go to Rome I got to go to Jerusalem give this offering and then I'm gonna start making my way to Rome and he didn't even know what was ahead at the time he thought it was going to be another missionary journey most likely in his mind and yet we see God from that point starting to direct Paul's life. And when he's in Jerusalem, he specifically says, comes alongside Paul and says, hey, Paul, you've testified of me here in Jerusalem. You're going to do so in Rome. And we saw last week, that's the very promise that Paul held onto. God promised me I'm getting to Rome. This isn't Rome. So I'm going to believe God and believe his promises. And here we see verse 16. It says, and when we came to Rome. The centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. So Paul, it tells us that he was allowed to live in a house that he rented for himself with just kind of a, it was kind of like house arrest, had a guard near him at all times, but had free reign, just like he did in Caesarea, had free reign in Rome. But can you imagine the feelings of Paul when he showed up at Rome? And this is what he's been wanting this whole time. Uh, He's already written the book of Romans at this point to the Romans saying, I desire to come to you. (laughs) Okay, is what he says in the book of Rome. This is his heart's desire. And here we see God keeping his promise. Hey, you're gonna get to Rome. You're gonna proclaim the gospel in Rome. And man, what an encouraging thing to see God's faithfulness, not just to provide for him, but to keep his promises to him. Man, we see God's faithfulness through all of this. I want us to see just a cool parallel as I was studying go to Psalm 107 go to Psalm 107 as I was as I was just studying this section of the life of Paul I couldn't help but think of these verses and this isn't this isn't at all a prophetic psalm one that would predict the future I just want you to see some parallels in Psalm chapter 107 I'm going to read verses 23 through 32 Okay, they they won't be on the screen. I, I forgot to put them there, but verse 23 through 32 of Psalm 107. Listen to this. See if you can draw some parallels from some things we've just gone over in the life of Paul last week and this week. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Isn't that just a cool parallel that we see in the life of Paul? Man, he did, bu- did he do business? Oh, he did business in the great waters, in the deep waters. But didn't he see the works of the Lord in those deep waters? Man, did he. And then uh, as he travels and he experiences all of those things, and he cries out and declares to God, he ends up safe, and then it tells us right at the end, let those that go through those, praise the Lord. (coughs) Praise the Lord. And exalt his name in the congregation, and then praise his name in the assembly of the elders. And we're gonna see next week, man, when Paul gets to Rome, boy, does he do that. (laughs) in the assembly of the Jews, the elders. (laughs) He goes before them and proclaims the gospel to them. Man, what an awesome parallel. You know, when I see this passage and I see Paul's faithfulness and God's faithfulness, it really reminds me of this. Paul, I believe, remained faithful because God is faithful. Uh, Paul, I, I, I... I don't think it was Paul saying, yeah, I can do this. Or I I, I think I can make it through this storm. And yeah, God gave me a promise so I can make things happen. I think Paul just remained faithful through all of his circumstances because he remembered that through every circumstance, his God is faithful. What motivated Paul to be faithful? God and his faithfulness to him. I think of one man, and I'll close with this illustration. This one man I was reading about, his name's Frank Jenner. Frank Jenner. He's a Navy man, and for a long time, he was stationed in an area called, uh, called uh, uh, stationed in uh, Sydney, Australia, and on a, always went to this place called George Street, okay? This man, Frank Jenner, for 28 years, after he got saved for 28 years, all he did was go down to George Street and would hand out gospel tracts, and many times with that gospel tract would just ask one question. He'd say, if you were to die in the next 24 hours, where would you spend eternity? Heaven or hell? Sometimes that's where the conversation ended. Sometimes it went on a little further. But for 28 years, he just stayed faithful, giving the gospel to people down on George Street, which was a port city, people coming in and out all the time. Just 10 people a day, he determined in his heart, I'm gonna get to at least 10 people a day and ask them about their eternal eternal destination. 28 years, he stayed faithful. There's a preacher that was from the England area. He was uh, from. He was an Englishman, and as he was traveling around, uh, he started to uh, just hear testimony. Uh, started with one testimony of this man who got saved because of a young uh, this guy on George Street in Sydney, Australia, who asked him that question and made him think, and then he ended up getting saved because of it. So then that pastor goes and gives a gives a, a sermon illustration about it. Man, there was this guy he doesn't even know, the man's name, this guy on George Street, gave him a track, and he got saved. And after he did that, a person from the congregation came up and said, hey, I got saved because of that man on George Street. Well, this happened several times in the man's life over a course of a period of time. <clears throat> and naturally, naturally, he was curious. So when he was in Sydney, Australia, he asked a pastor that he was uh, there preaching for, he said, hey, do you know this, Man that does this thing, he gives out tracks. he asks this question down at George Street, down here in Sydney, and he goes, oh yeah, that's Frank Jenner. So this pastor says, I wanna meet him. He goes and meets him and starts outlining for him all of these things that have been told to him of people who came to know Christ, of pastors who are in ministry, missionaries who are on the mission field, all because it started with Frank Jenner asking them a question on George Street in Sydney. Here's the cool thing, Excuse me. Here's a cool thing. Frank didn't even know. He didn't even know the impact that he had made. He started tearing up when the guy told him because he didn't even know that he had made an impact in that way in people's lives. But yet, without knowing, 28 years he stayed faithful to just give the gospel. When I hear a story like that, I think of what can make a guy stay faithful with zero fruit, it seems probably this. God was faithful to me, (laughs) so I'm going to stay faithful to him. I'll do my part. The Bible says God gives the increase. I know he'll do his part. (laughs) That's really what I see Paul doing all throughout this. I'm going to do my part to stay faithful. Why? Because I know God's doing his part to stay faithful. So I just finished with this. What drives you to be faithful? We can come up with all kinds of all kinds of motivations for staying faithful, like, well, uh, I I stay faithful so people know that I'm in church, or so that people see, or, and, and in our hearts, we know our motivations many times for why we do the things we do, but man, our primary motivation at all times, why are we faithful? Because he's faithful. Why am I faithful to tell people about the gospel? He was faithful to make sure the gospel got to me. Why do I uh, cultivate a walk with the Lord each and every day in his word? Because God is faithful to keep growing me and changing me every single time that I just get in his word and have a relationship with him. So I'm, I know God's faithful to do what he can do. And so I'll let him do his part. <laughs> I'm gonna stay faithful doing what I know I'm called to do and do my part. What an example from the life of Paul and through the life of Paul just seeing God being faithful in it all. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at winachichurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends. Hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.